to show number 190. Oh my goodness, 10 to go and you guys are going to buy me a cake of Sunday Social Half. I'm talking a bit fast tonight. There's a, there's a reason, there's a reason because I wanted to Coke Zero. I wanted to Coke Zero to uh, to see me through the show and, and you've got to take every opportunity you can to get a Coke Zero these days because they're getting rid of it. And here's the problem, I only had, only had a $20 note. I know you're saying, oh, look at you and your well-paid radio job. Well, the vending machine here at Radio Live, it was two vending machines the coke zero one only takes coins so i had to buy a bar of chocolate to get some change from the one that took notes in order to buy the coke zero which is why i'm talking fast hey welcome to it 3920 keyword live you might want to just practice because i've got a good reason for you to text later on i'm talking prizes or you can tweet me at vaughn davis later on for the very first time on radio live sunday social kate owen joins me that's worth the price of admission she's got a website for quiz fans and i know there's a few of you out there and yet another reason to never believe anyone you meet on the internet first though Probably remember the 90s play Ladies Night. Well, it's it's still playing somewhere in the world right now. You can pretty much guarantee it. The guy behind it, Stephen Sinclair, has written a new one, a musical about romance in the age of social media. It's called, awesome title, Love Me Tinder. It's returning to Auckland in December, and you can win tickets by listening. More about that later, but Stephen, welcome to Sunday Social. Thanks, great to be here. Love Me Tinder. Tell us about it. Love Me Tinder. Love Me Tinder is a comedy musical about the, uh, the whole phenomenon of, of, of Tinder dating, basically. Um, it came about, I got a phone call from a friend of mine, um, Mike Howie, who runs a bar in Greyland. He said he, he had an idea about a sh- you know, creating a show about this phenomenon. Apparently it was, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of hot spot for Tinder dates, his, his bar. And wondered if, I want, you know, wondered if I wanted to get involved, and I was keen, and I sort of, yeah... It's, it's, it's interesting you point out um, the bar, and we'll talk about the bar in some detail later, but it being a hot spot for Tinder dates because it's almost a thing. If you're out in a bar and you're just having a beer with some friends, you can spot them. You can spot them waiting for the other person and looking at their phone and looking up and yeah. that look of disappointment when, you know, oh, he's not really seven feet tall, bare-chested and holding a fish. Because every, everyone on Tinder holds a fish, I'm told, all, all the men. Really? Holds a it's, fish? It's a big it's a- thing. It's, it's, I am hunter gatherer. Chocolate fish? No, no, an actual, <laughs> an actual, an actual fish. fish. Oh, right. An actual, a yeah, snapper, yeah. a snapper, or sometimes a game. I know. Fish. Well, there's the immediate disappointment for women, but there's also I've, a couple of times I've seen um, uh, couples get together and, and and the guy's a good-looking guy and the and the woman get you know the woman gets really excited, and then he starts to talk, and slowly their eyes glaze over because <laughs> the upshot is. You know, a really good-looking guy, well-dressed, well-presented, but he's boring. And, uh, yeah, so you need to be more than just um, seven feet and, uh, and chiseled-jawed. You well, have to actually be out a little bit entertaining as well. That's certainly very good news for me. Well, entertaining, though. That's a stretch. And so your friend who owns a bar said, hey, you should do a, a, a show about Tinder dating. And is that, is that how a play normally starts? Someone rings you up and said, you should do uh, this. It's quite I, un- you must get yeah. this a lot. Do you know what? You should do a play about Stephen Sinclair. You should do a play about this. I've had a bit of that over the years. Um, but I just thought, 
the idea of writing a, like a play for a bar really appealed to me with music. I mean, I've always been a sucker for the combination of, of drama and music, and I just saw an opportunity to really um, combine you know, all these elements that I really love about, about theatre. Um, and, yeah, putting, putting it on in a bar it, it, um, is a real blast for me. It kind of gets away from the sort of potential stuffiness of a, of a theatre venue. People kind of, you know, I think people, it's a, for some people it's a bit of a hurdle, um, uh, a bit of resistance to going to an actual theatre to, to, to see to see to see a show. Me, me, yeah, me. whereas a bar, yeah, it's, it's just kind of it's it's relaxed. You can get a drink. It's it's you know, and uh, so you wrote this yeah. you wrote this play, which is a musical. And we'll talk about mm. that. You wrote this play for this particular bar, which is indeed. And it turned out um, that um, it combines all these different kind of elements, but but one is rap. It just so happened there was a one of the barman was a as, as a rapper. So he, um, we, we pulled him and, and, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's quite an eclectic piece. It has um, like, like conventional musical type songs, but also a sort of a, a rap narrative, which, which gives it an incredible kind of, yeah, a real sort of, um, gives it a sort of uniqueness, really. It, it just occurred mm. to me while we're speaking, the last great piece of New Zealand theatre or music written for about a bar was um, The Lounge Bar. Oh right! You're, just, talk, you're just, talking about my brother, I'm talking brother about Harry. Your brother Harry, in, yeah, in, in, the, in the front lawn. That's right. He, that was a short film. It was a short, and, uh, short film, and, with, and some and song. some songs came out of it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great family tradition. Yeah. Of well, stuff, I mean, stuff. and he, of course, he, he, and yeah, Harry and Don McGlashan, um, uh were very successful in their day, and and doing uh, broadly speaking, I suppose, similar kind of stuff, using lots of songs. Um, there was a kind of satiric heart to it, which which is true also of Love Me Tinder. So why, why did you choose to take the, the musical form for this? Is, is it because, you know, music is always playing in bars? It's just, it's, it's a natural well, thing to put in there? the original idea, and it was, it was Mike um, with another uh, bar person of his, um, Amy Jansen, who's a singer. Um, and the original idea was actually songs, and they wanted me to do, like, linking dialogue. But um, in my usual coercive way, <laughs> once I got my mitts into it, and and because I'm so used to like creating um, narratives through drama, I just started to um, create a story with these characters, and and then uh, we, we originally put it on. It was like a ca um, cabaret piece with with um, existing songs mm -hmm. uh, from other musicals. But we got such a fantastic response, I decided uh, to create an all you know, all original, you know, a, a, a bona fide um, musical with all original songs. So. Yeah, and over the past year, that's what we've been doing, creating a yeah a piece of it with its own sort of artistic in integrity. So it took you a year to develop. How, how long is the performance itself? Or, or does it it's about an hour, which is okay. a good length for the kind of venue it is. And, you know, uh, I've had a number of people say, oh, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed the fact it was, it was only an hour. I don't know. I think people's tolerance for, like, you know, two-and-a-half-hour sh shows has kind of uh, plummeted a bit. Well, yeah, given, given it's set in the bars, is it okay? So the bar's called Freedom Margolis, which I've got to mm. say, I, I live in Ponsonby. I live about 15 metres from Richmond Road. Clearly the unfashionable end, because I've never heard of this place. Ah. Where is well, it? Well, it's in West Lynn. You know, it's, 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 oh, the it's on the corner of, of Richmond and Hakanoa. Oh, um, down there. Yeah. By Malt. Yes, it's, it's literally across the road from Malt. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Maybe it's like and, like uh, so many things, it's changed names, and I and I, I haven't. It was you, it was the organic butchers. Yeah. And and some people call, still call it the, the butcher bar, but um, gotcha, the meat market, so to speak. True. True. There's a little Time's interesting changed. little interesting change. So yeah. given given it's set and staged in a bar, is it okay to you know get up and get a drink and you know go for a wee? 
Um, well, we, if you absolutely have to, but, but, you know, we'd like people to actually, you know, just sit and listen. Mm. And you can, you know, you can grab a drink up until about one minute before right. performance starts. So, um, yeah, yeah. So the play Love Me Tinder, it's, it's, if not about Tinder, it certainly features Tinder, you know. It's about, a, it's about two, two people and a Tinder date, yeah. yeah. Um, what did you know about Tinder going in? And, and what's, uh, what did you learn in the process? Well, we, um... I got Amy, who co-wrote the book of the thing with me. I, we got her to um, to join up to Tinder. I must say, she was rather half-hearted with her, um, you know, in her commitment to it. But we, you know, that was how we found out the whole kind of mechanics of it. Hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, I, you know, a few years ago, I went on um, findsomeone.com and said, so my own experience of dating is not, you know, in the in the distant past. So, hmm. um, you know, the uh, the kind of nervousness and 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 the uh, yeah, the adrenaline of those kind of encounters is still kind of still fresh in my mind. So the, the, yeah. the popular narrative is is you know oh it's not just a hookup site you know a hookup uh, app you know it's you know some some lasting relationships happen there but then people tell you about all the hookups they've had. I think people go in it for different reasons, but also some people might you know I'm sure people go into it with a view to a one night stand and finish up with a you know with a um, serious relationship. I mean these things have been known to happen. So your your co-writer Amy. Mm-hmm. Co-wrote the book, yeah. And also, oh, there's, yeah. there's a there's a book of the play or the play of the book. It's the uh, the book of the play. You know, like in musicals, you got the, the, you've got the the book, the libretto, and the oh, music. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so when a, I say it's, it's just oh, the story, basically. So I can't so, go. To, I can't so go Amy helped me with the dialogue, right? Um, which was handy because you know, um, there's all kinds of phrases phrases people use now that I weren't wasn't entirely familiar with. Well, so, it's, it's, it's one of, yeah. Tinder is one of those things that is famous far beyond its direct reach because we, we all kind of, you know, chuckling, oh, swipe left, swipe right, yeah. with, without ever necessarily having done it and, mm. and, and kind of have an idea that we, we know what it's, yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, But, I mean, I think you know, people, people seem to find it incredibly entertaining watching um, two people struggling to kind of make a connection and uh, and, and the kind of, f- the, the sheer fear that they endure, you know. it's a, Fear is a great sort of source of com- comedy, which I've, we've certainly managed to... Uh, Trepidation. Yeah. So, so in, in 2017, it's hard to imagine <coughs> writing a love, uh, or an authentic love story without the involvement of social media and apps. Much, much in, you know, Romeo and Juliet had letters, and I suppose in the 20th century, yeah. you had phone calls. Yeah. It, 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 would, be, it would be dishonest yeah. to leave it out, really, wouldn't well, it? Well, it's, yeah. It's the medium of the times, and uh, and it seemed to, yeah, and it seemed to work perfectly in the context of putting a play on. Um, there are you know there, are, there there's there's a bit of time where the characters are looking at their uh, you know their cell phones, which is unsurprising. But well, um, that, that, that's called fubbing, yeah. isn't it? P A. Did you did you come across? <laughs> I've that? heard of fubbing. So fubbing, fubbing. <laughs> oh, you got to listen. Right, should I, I should have come to you for for yeah, uh, research. Te- 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 I've always wanted to be a technical uh, advisor. Yeah. So this is this is episode one hundred and ninety of the show, Stephen. So we know our stuff. Um, fubbing mm. is like snubbing with a phone. It's when you're with oh. someone, but oh. you attend to the phone. That's most young people all the time, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Without even deliberately which is, being insulting. Which is probably why you didn't even yeah. know the name is because it's like breathing or, yeah, or yeah, blinking. Yeah. Hey, talking to Stephen Sinclair, author of, uh, or many things, but uh, most recently the play about Tinder, Love Me Tinder, and I want to give you some tickets. Do you happen to know how many tickets we have, Stephen, or should I make that up? Um... Well, we can offer four tickets. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what's happened is we had we had a season recently, and it just basically sold out. We do an extended <gasps> season. Demand. Um, two nights at, at the Freedom Argolis and two nights at the 
Classic Comedy Club, which is in on Queen Street. So this um, is this is for Aucklanders only, or you mm. need to come up to Auckland. These these are in December, so we'll 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 text yeah. you and let you know what it is. Yeah. So if you want to go in the draw to win these, I was going to say two double passes, but given the play, I'm going to say four single passes. There we are. Four, you, magic might happen. <laughs> magic might happen um, on the on the floor. At uh, all, you need to do is text me three nine two zero keyword live and um, just you know say hey, please give me some tickets or tweet me at Vaughan Davis and at the end of the night, uh, if if we have time, I'll, I'll name you. Or, or should I? Well, a bit embarrassing to say you're a single person going to a play. You'll get your prizes anyway. Hey, uh, after the break, back with Stephen Sinclair talking uh, more about his new play and just the state of theatre in general because that's something that interests me. Back soon. Welcome back to Sunday Social. With me in the studio, playwright Stephen Sinclair, best known for Ladies' Night, but right now in the thick of uh, staging a play about Tinder called Love Me Tinder. Stephen, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks, Vaughan. Now, I was talking to Sarah, uh, our tech producer, who is very plugged into the zeitgeist and a bit of a culture vulture, and I said, what's the last play you went to? She said, oh, I don't go to plays. Who goes to this play? Um... We seem to have a real kind of a real cross section of, of, of ages and, and you know and types. Um, certainly, yeah, there's a large number of you know older people going. Um, and uh, yes, it's, it's just one of those kind of ideas I think that really hits a, a real um, mainstream audience. It's it's funny. I'm I'm thinking in Venn diagrams. I'm I'm thinking of people who go to plays and people who use Tinder. And 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 the intersection I, I see is kind of fairly slender, but obviously it's not. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, this. One reason I'm so excited about Love Me Tinder, the response I've got, you know, I haven't really encountered since a Ladies' Night, and that was one... Ladies' Night was one show that actually, you know, reached far beyond the normal theatre-going audience, and I think this this show as well has, has that potential. Um, and I also think that people... I think, you know, life's kind of quite tough for most people, and, and, and they want to go out and have a laugh and have a good time, and, um, and this sort of fills the bill, so, yeah... Which, which again was the deal with Ladies Night, right? So let, yeah. let, let's let's chat about that because a lot of people are going to be, um, you know, wondering wondering about it. And I've got you here in the studio. Mm. So, thirty years ago, did I read? Yes, it was nineteen eighty seven. We had our first production, which was at the um, Mercury Theatre, in the days when the Mercury, when that was like the the, the premiere off um, off Auckland's, company off Auckland's Auckland. K Road. Yeah, yeah. And a, you 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 couldn't have more of a runaway success. Yeah, they kept on coming back until it got to the point where I think quite a large you know, number of the theatre community started to really resent us because we were sort of, because the, the Mercury was bringing it back every year for their Christmas show. And, uh, yeah, there were a few frustrated, um, you know, playwrights walking around making snide remarks. But um, it was certainly great for us, you know. I, I'm, and I, I, could, I left my job as a postie. And, oh, and, you were, uh, you're a postie? I was a postie in the, back in the those great days. cultural tradition. Yeah. James K. Baxter well, was, I was, doing was a postie. The, I'm not sure whether he did the... Like the Aro Street beat, but that was me back in you know in the, in uh, 1987. Well, yeah. he, he famously failed to do the the, the beat and, and and just dropped his dropped his uh, mailbags and and puddles of beer in the bar. And I think and, and yeah mates, yeah mates I think, it, yeah I think his his his, uh, his route took him past one or two pubs, which was a yeah a bit of a distraction for him. So, short version: thirty years ago, Ladies' Night. This hmm. year, Love Me Tinder. In between, what? Wow, a host of things, really. I mean, I've worked... Um, I co-wrote uh, several of, of um, the films that, that Peter Jackson um, went on to direct. Um, 
uh, Meet the Feebles, I think was the first. That, that was our oh, with the, with uh, the scurrilous the, puppet. The giant blobby alien people. Was that them? Or was that oh, no, that was bad taste. Oh, that was bad taste. But meet, no, meet was the Feebles was a kind of a... Oh, Dirty, a dirty Muppets. Yeah, dirty yeah, Muppets. Dirty Muppets. And then Brain Dead, which, um, yeah, which was a kind of a comedy about... Uh, the zomb about zombies, which um, of course zombies have come main become mainstream now, but it was quite you know something a little bit different back mm -hmm. back then for sure. And yeah, and I worked um, on uh, Lord of the Rings. I've got a, I've got a credit, a writer's credit on Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, and yeah, but I mean I've I've written um, a good many uh, plays in the interim. Uh, I've a couple like, like the Bill Bird and the Batch, which um, are part of the um, like the syllabus for. Like secondary school um, drama students. Oh, so. Does it, does that make you feel a warm and fuzzy inside, or, or does that make you think, oh my god, I am the establishment. I'm in the syllabus. Uh, I'm up. I'm, I'm, well, I'm up there with quarter ladle, water ladle. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Dennis Glover. Uh, that's right. Um, you know, well, we came on the scene with Ladies Night, so we were never going. We were never the sort of the edgy alternative types. We mm, were sort of mm. like mainstream from the get go. Um, but uh, yeah, it's nice to yeah, nice to feel that you know that one is. God, I shouldn't use the word one. It makes me sound so poncy. But yeah, no. <laughs> it's nice to feel I've made some sort of contribution, you know, in terms of uh, uh, New, New Zealand cultural life, if I can say that. So, so lately, some of your work has been uh, exploring the impact of technology on society, right? So, um, yeah, you know, love, yeah. love Tinder, clearly. Mm. Um, you did a play which was largely about cloning. Um, another one... Intimacies, yeah. 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 What... Does 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 that theme, is that a theme that's likely to come back into your work? That whole intersection of you know technology and culture and society and and the way it's you know changing uh, the way we interact with each other, or is it just a? a I think I mean you know I, I have I have done some like historic pieces as well, um, but I think you know if if, if you're writing a, about contemporary life, I think technology is is going to be kind of central to it really. Unless you unless you have to do a play about two two guys going out into the bush and you know living in a tent, you know how are you getting a kid well, away that, from? That's, that's hunt for the wood people. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But mind you, that was written in the sixties. <laughs> oh, that it? was a yeah. That was a was that a period? Must have been a period piece. That one. Um, they did, they oh, didn't have did, cell phones, did they? I, I can't even remember. It, 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 it's based it, on a Barry Crump yeah, story, which, which, which would, would have been, been written 60s in the 60s or 70s yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. I, I went back and watched um, Seinfeld last year. End right, to yeah. end, yeah. And about halfway through, I realised if these people had had mobile phones, half of the plot devices wouldn't work. You know, the misunderstandings yeah. or yeah. the whole oh, "where is so and so?" and uh, it, it, yeah. it's amazing the impact that yeah. these these things have. So, in, in thirty years of theatre, what's changed? And you talked about attention spans and and mm. you know people not wanting to sit in the bar for more than an hour. Is is that a trend? Are we are, are, we, are we really as audiences yeah. wanting shorter yeah. pieces? I mean, you will have noticed that being involved in the in, in the media, for and I'm sure that people's tolerance for you know in depth discussions or or um oh I, I, or, I, I, or I hope they're or, tolerant because they that we're we've been discussing in depth since about seven o'clock now. So well, you have a very discriminating uh, um, listenership out there. Yeah, uh, we do. So, <laughs> we, we, so that's, that could be the exception, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's you know. Uh, like now, if you if you if you go on to the you know New Zealand Herald website, they have the thing called the long read, which, 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 is, is which like in the old days was just a normal normal article. No, that's but really, because really it's not really more than point. a sound bite. They actually highlight it as the long read, which is which uh, is about one A4 page. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. mind you, when you put that A4 page onto an iPhone, it, it's a heck of a lot of scrolling. 
There's an awful lot of thumb work that has to go, I, go into it. I, yeah. I read a, a, a number the other day, which I can't remember, which totally ruins the story. The number of kilometres that the average person scrolls on Facebook every day. Which is an interesting way of expressing wow. it, right? Kilometres. Yeah. And, and it is several kilometres of stuff that you... That's quite frightening, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Imagine printing it out. Yeah. And sort of laying, laying, laying it end to end. Yeah. Why, why would you ever do that? Is, is filling a theatre harder now than it was? I mean, you know, I don't know if you're going to get uh, Sarah, Sarah or Dwyer along to watch your show, but... Um, I think in general it is. I mean, you know, like the Auckland Theatre Company... Um, yeah, and, and and the main theatres and, and other centres have a, you know have a good and loyal following, but I think what's become more difficult is is to put a, you know put put it on like independent productions, if you will, and, and yeah, and, and it can be yeah, it's a lot harder now. Um, th- there's lots of reasons for that. There's a lot of product out there now. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, so yeah, there's a lot of more competition. Um, and 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 you know, when we first put on Ladies' Night, um, there was no internet, um, so there was no gaming. Mm. There, uh, there might have was there two channels on you know TV channels. Um, anyway, it was a, it was just a lot. It was you know the, the options of how to entertain yourself were, were much more limited. Um, so yeah, I mean the whole the the, the landscape has ch- changed radically in the, in the last you know three decades. You you mentioned somewhere that I read that your your own relationship with social media is is a little bit. Um, a little bit limited. However, when when I found you in reception just before, you were head down on your phone like a teenager. Um, tell tell us about your your social your online life. Uh, well, you know, I text and I use uh, Gmail, um, so email, and that takes up a fair bit of time. I've resisted um, Facebook. Resisted. That's an interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I know once I know a while back. Um, I, I, I I I directed a feature film called Russian Snark, and the. And the producer, Liz, got um, a little antsy with me because I refused to go on Facebook because it, would have, it probably would have helped a bit in terms of promulgating the, the, the you know, uh, getting the, the um, publicity out there. But I sort of dug my heels in. And, uh, but a friend of mine said, I, I sort of I said recently, or well, my co, co-producer actually of, of Love Me Tinder, Paul Rockshaw, I said, shall I, you know, shall I just bite the bullet and go on Facebook? And he said, mate, it's a rabbit hole. If, you, if, you know, if you're drawn in, you'll never get out again. So uh, he said, it's all right, you don't have to do it. So I was relieved about that. And, and, and there'd be no more time to write plays like Love Me Tinder, which is playing in Greylin in the first weekend of December and in Auckland's Queen Street mm. in the second weekend. And uh, if you want to win one of four single tickets, oh, you can get a double pass maybe, ask me nicely, text 3920 keyword live and just tell me why, or tweet me at Vaughan Davis. Hey, Stephen Sinclair, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Vaughan. Pleasure is all mine. After the break, Kate Owen joins us for the first time. I'm excited uh, with a website you just have to have a look at if you're into quizzes. Back soon. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and a big first time Sunday Social. Welcome to my old buddy, Kate Owen. Old? Well, yeah, well, actually not old, <laughs> not old at all. Buddy for some time. But as, as, as we uh, established in the break, um, our pop cultural references are a, a decade or two apart, aren't they? Yeah, it's because you're a decade or two older. That is probably it. Hey, um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's, it's going to be lots of fun. Um, 
And if you were, I know you were listening, I know you were listening before the break to Stephen Sinclair, if you want to win tickets to Love Me Tinder, which sounds like a lot of fun, and they're, they're pretty exclusive tickets because the uh, venues only hold between 40 and 65 C, uh, people, um, text me, 3920, keyword live, or... Tweet me at Vaughan Davis and you go into the draw. And it's quite a small draw. Your odds are pretty good. Kate, blogging, bloggers, influencers. Oh. Is your skin crawling yet? Yes. It really is. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we should give people some background because it's your first time on the show. Uh, but you're actually in the, the DNA of social media in this organisation and, and, and quite, a few, uh, quite a few others. So, so tell me a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Well, I have been doing social unprofessionally since about 2000, so back in the old Yahoo chat days and things like that. Uh, but Se- I started Second Life? Oh, don't even. Let's not go there. Mm. Let's not go there. Not in the show. But, um, yeah, so I, I cut my teeth professionally uh, doing uh, work for MediaWorks back in the day. So uh, when Sunrise was on, little known um, breakfast show that ran on three, I was doing their digital and social elements. And, and you, you got some of our best known, and I don't know if it's uh, appropriate to name names, but some of the best known people in media, you got them onto social media, right? You were the, you were the guiding hand. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that uh, requires a person to be interested in doing it, so it's not a, a blanket fit. You but can lead a, a horse them... to water, but you cannot make them tweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call people horses. You can if you want. Uh, yeah. No. It no. suited my metaphor. Yeah, it did. No, um, look, it was it was really interesting, especially in the very beginning, uh, experimenting with things and finding out what worked or didn't work. A lot of the information we had was American-based, which mm. obviously when you're trying to translate for a New Zealand culture, it becomes quite different. Um, so thinking about things like the way we use sarcasm and humour and the way we use GIFs, or GIFs if you want to call them that. The um, little animated um, mini-movie things, yeah. Yeah. And um, did we want to consume uh, video, given how slow our mobile data was or how expensive it was? So we played around with a lot of that stuff and we were really successful. Uh, and then we brought it out across the company. So I started working with all the radio guys and, um, and uh, a lot of the names across all the different stations there. And then we went into reality TV. So we got a lot of uh, kind of those guys on board for better or worse. Um, and then it's just kind of spread from there. So now I do it um, as a consultant. So basically, if you're wondering why things like The Bachelor, right, went bananas on social media, well, partly because it's a high-quality unscripted drama, but partly because um, Kate Owen's digital strategy sat behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you've got to give things a go to see if people like it or not, and it turns out they loved it. And so um, we learned a lot doing those early shows. So it started with Next Top Model, really. That was the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, there were some pretty big wins and some pretty big fails. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And we were able to take that stuff that we learned not only from the, the brand proper, but from the girls who were the models and, and how they wanted to be seen. And excuse me. Um, and so then able to take that into things like The Block mm-hmm. and, and The Bachelor and, and moving on from there through to journalists, broadcasters, Because you realise you're, ta- you're talking mainly about shows that air on Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, you, are my, you were my uh, nemesis. All your social media success was drawing people away from listening to Sunday Social. But it is a podcast available on, uh, available on iTunes. Hey, let, let, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the notes and talk about what, what, I, what I said we'd talk about rather than the, uh, mm. the, 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 the profile interview 
of Kate Owen, but it's always good for people to know who we're talking to yeah. and establish the expertise. Um, bit of news this week about whether or not we should trust bloggers. And the story that um, brought this to a head was on um, the competing news network on, on broadcast TV where they did a story about Kmart. And you, you will have seen on social media, suddenly Kmart's cool, right? Yes. Over yeah. the last, what, year or so? It's come off the back of a strategic change they've made in, in purchasing and, and store design, though. So it's not just an influencer-led campaign. So there's a bit of truth. Yeah, there's a, bit a little of bit. There's yeah. some truth to it. And, and it seems everyone wants those light boxes where you can spell out the name of your you know, your dog or something and, and, and put it on the bench. Um, but the story goes that they got uh, TVNZ interviewed two women who were fairly influential bloggers themselves, lifestyle bloggers, uh, about how wonderful Kmart was, and then it turned out they were being paid. So in this case, they were being paid to be on the TV, um, but sometimes, uh, and maybe more often than we'd think, Kate, pe people are paid to be uh, positive about things on the internet. Hmm. It's a really interesting grey area. Um, not so much in the okay, if you've received some money, then you need to disclose that. I think pretty much everyone's in agreement about that. Mm. The question comes in, if you're being given freebies. Things. Invited mm. to events. Mm -hmm. Asked to um, put uh, photos out there in the chance of winning something. Mm -hmm. You know, does all that need to be disclosed? What does that look like? If uh, somebody's an ambassador, but... Uh, not necessarily getting paid for social media sponsorship, mm -hmm. do they need to disclose? So there's a whole lot of um, areas that we haven't quite found the answers for. And this isn't just a New Zealand problem. It's completely across the board. Um, in other countries, however, they do have laws uh, and advertising standards authority that have guidelines in place for it, um, whereas we don't quite have the, the logistics around it yet. Well, it's funny. I, I went looking because, um, you know, and, and full disclosure, I'm an ambassador. I'm, I'm a Huawei brand ambassador, and I, and I'm, I disclose the, the bum off that because I'm, I'm I'm so flattered you know that they'd they'd give me a free phone so I I, I disclose left right and centre um, but I went to look for the rules and it turns out we do have some rules but they were done in 2012 which is you know a, a New York minute um, multiplied by an hour a day a week and and five years since 2012 is how much time has passed in social media since then terribly out of date. Mm. The rules say that we are meant to, as social media people, if we are um, rewarded in some way for the for the post, we're meant to do hashtag ad. So, you know, I, I, I've, I, I like my Huawei phone, hashtag ad. When's the last time you saw hashtag ad? Well, sometimes you see hashtag spawn, mm -hmm. uh, which can mean sponsored or um, client or partnership. So there's a lot of different words that people can use, and they also tend to bury those hashtags. So it's not like they're saying, by the way, guys, this is being paid for, mm. but it's my own words. They are saying hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag ad, hashtag this, hashtag that. So, uh, you know, even if disclosure is happening, sometimes it's not completely obvious. Not as obvious as it should be. Uh, do, do people know anyway, though, you know, when, when you know, the ex-hot couple off The Bachelor is saying, hey, you've got to buy this breakfast cereal, do people just know in their hearts that, you know, there must be money-changing hands? Or, 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 or should we, as, a, as an industry, be more upfront? Well, that's where a lot of conversation's happening at the moment. How much of it is implied and how much of it do you need to be explicit about? Um, and people are still trying to find the footing on that one. And there's no... 100% uh, clear answer. 
um, around things like exchangement, exchange of, of money and dictator, dictatorship of, um, gosh, I've lost my English there. Um, when, you know, the, the, the requirement to say something is being nice. dictated, yeah. then definitely um, everyone can agree that's meant to be disclosed. And when you see 20 of those posts come up and they look pretty identical and they sound pretty identical. From, from 20 different people. It's funny, though, guess. on... on you know, if we go old media for a minute, on TV we don't feel like we need to do the same thing. So we expect people to know that, hey, there's a, there's an All Black standing there and he's saying, buy this prefabricated garage. It doesn't say ad. We just meant to know it's an ad. We mm. work it out because over time we've understood that this is that's the deal. You know, we it's a famous person. ambassadorship better than uh, endorsement. And when you move into the editorial space, it becomes very um, difficult uh, and I think, you know, if you're ever in doubt, you should disclose. If there's if there's any kind of, you know, inference that you're being coerced into saying something or, um, you know, that there's something else going on there, I think disclose. Uh, but I can totally see why people would assume, well, I'm on this ad or I'm at this event, therefore people are going to know that there's something going on there. I think you can never make that assumption, though. Yeah, and, 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 and as a punter, just you know, re- reading the tweets and the Facebook posts, and if it's if it's someone famous, chances are they got the thing or they were invited to the thing that they're talking about for free. So they may well be speaking honestly, but you know, it's hard to say something nasty about uh, something you got for free. We're seeing a lot more disclosure in the opposite way. So people are now saying this is not an ad, or I paid for this myself, or I'm just doing this off my own back. So we're seeing a lot more of the opposite starting to happen. Which now. is interesting. That's people trying to build or retain their own intent integrity as a social media commentator if there is mm. such a thing. Now the other way that people build integrity is by being certified as real and real and famous. Um, the idea of authentication. Now you will have seen this on Instagram and sometimes on Twitter. Uh, a little tick, a little blue tick or a blue blob with a white tick next to someone's name in an account. Kate, what is that? So there's some debate about what that actually means. Um, the platforms themselves say that it's it's authenticating that this person is who they say it is um, and that it's not meant to imply that this person is more important than any other person. Unfortunately, what it has um, kind of evolved itself into is if you've got the tick, then you're somehow more important than other people who are on that platform. Did you grow up with the the, um, the Dr. Seuss book, The Star-Bellied Snitches? No. Oh, it's a good book. It explains everything about the internet. But the uh, there were two types of snitches on the beaches. Um, there were the ones with the stars, and then there were the ones with none upon stars. He kind of stretched the right. rhyme to make it work. <laughs> it's a bit like that. I feel like a deprived child you've got to have You've got to have the stars. You've yeah. got to have the tick. So, so all well and good. Um, so, I've got, I've got a, I've got a you know, radio show about social media. I want to get verified. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Verify me. Now, there's a few ways that this happens. Uh, either the platform can find you and say, yep, we think this person's um, legitimate and we're going to give them the big tick, which is what Twitter's done a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they have just recently removed a whole lot of people who had verification on the alt-right and they've all come out in arms about it. Then the other way that you can do it is um, if you've got um, potentially a big spend happening on that platform because you're part of a larger organisation, mm-hmm. uh, you can put your name in the hat and they'll potentially verify you there. But there's this new thing that's coming up now, which is essentially uh, on the black market, you can get yourself verified for several no. thousand dollars. Mm. It's, 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 it's like a uh, paying for someone for a fake passport. You can pay someone yes, you can. for a blue tick, even if you're just some schmuck. Yeah. So yep. thousands of dollars. Literally thousands. So <laughs> why, why would I do that? 
Why would people do that? There are some um, benefits to being blue ticked. So you can appear higher in search. Um, you uh. have some functionality that's open to you that isn't open to uh, Joe Blogs. And um, it's also, you know, a bit of a status symbol amongst certain groups. There you go. Hey, after the break, uh, we are looking at a website. I, I lost hours on this this <laughs> afternoon, Kate. Uh, a website which is absolute crack cocaine, <laughs> crack cocaine for quiz addicts. Back soon. Yes, indeed. Don't worry. Be happy. There's a bazillion apps out there. Most of them are rubbish. But Kate and I have spent the whole entire week when we should have been working finding the good ones, haven't we? Yes. Well, you found a website. You found a website. I love this website. This is, I'm going to call this my rainy day um, quiz website. And when I, it was rainy this morning when I was thinking about it. It's lovely out there now. Mm. Tell us about this website. Jet Punk. Yes. I apologise to everyone in advance because this is going to ruin your life. Mm. But basically, if you love taking quizzes, if you think that you're a bit of a geography or a history nut, this is the website for you. Basically, you go on there, you find a quiz that you like the look of, you complete it, and then it ranks you according to how well you've done against other people and then you can leave a brag in the comments so it uh, it's it's an ugly site I'm not gonna lie to you it's not the the most um, user-friendly website but once you get in there once you find a couple of quizzes and you start giving it a go I ended up getting oh, sorry addicted. what were you saying I'm just I'm looking at jet oh, punk no. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit I'm, oh, I'm just boy. I found a quiz I found a quiz of notable noble Nobel Prize winners and I'm just totally distracted ah well, I distracted myself for about a month on end until I had learned every single country in the world and its location and could do it from a blank uh, map. So that's a thing that you can teach yourself. That is a really good kids. thing to teach yourself. This morning I did one just, oh, I'll do the countries of Oceania. I thought that'd be easy because, you know, in a previous life I was an Air Force pilot and I've been to them all. Right. So you'd think I'd know where they Tuvalu? were. No. I've been to, to, I've been to nope. Tuvalu. Funafuti is the main <sighs> island of Tuvalu. Oh, look at uh, you go. I know, but could I find it on a map? <laughs> Clearly, clearly I, was just, I was just going wherever the navigator told me. And, but it's oh, amazing. Look, an island. Where is Malta? Where is Tunisia? I know, know? I know where those two are. Okay, I know from, where those two my, are too. From my World War II comics. But, um, you know, notable Nobel Prize winners, you know, newly elected president whose win puzzled many. Oh, that's Barack Obama. I know that one. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And it's, and it's addictive and it compares your score to other people. And we like that, don't we? We do. We Not only the overall score, but, you know, which did you get right or wrong and what percentage of people got, got them right or wrong as well. And it stores you if, you, if you log in, it stores your results over time and you can see if you're getting better or worse. Which is quite neat. Mm. So jetpunk.com, I think they, they got that web address for something else and then they thought, I'd oh, we're so. going to do it. It's been around for about 10 years, but uh, it's really started to take off recently. Yeah, um, heavy, heavy on the history, heavy on the uh, geography. But, hey, we all need more geography. I really like it. Recommended. Nice pick. Um, and then if that gets too stressful, um, you can always do a little bit of colouring in. But you know how it is. I know how it is. You know, you want to do some colouring in, but can you find a colouring in book around the house? And when you do find a colouring in book, someone else has coloured it in badly. And it's just like, oh, what are you going to do? I feel like you're not taking this seriously. I'm, well, I don't know. Uh, adult colouring... Adult colouring, I, I vividly remember walking into Paper Plus a couple of years ago and it felt like it was 90% adult colouring books and 10% other stuff. Yeah. It boomed. Yes. Well, um, this particular app, uh, they call it Yoga for the Mind. Mm. And basically, you sit there, you log in, you sit there, you can just touch uh, the different... Uh, they provide uh, an image a day, basically. So it's called, it's called Recolor and it's got the American spelling, Recolor. Yes, Collar. 
And uh, yeah, so you log in, you create a login, you jump on in there, and uh, it provides you with a new free picture every day. After mm-hmm. a day, you have to pay for it. So get in there. And uh, basically, you tap to colour. You can uh, free draw over the top. You can do all kinds of things. And when you've made your masterpiece, you can either keep it private or you can submit it. And other people can give it a big thumbs up and leave your comments. I, I thought the, the, the meditative aspect of colouring in... Um, there used to be a thing, again, Generation Gap, called doodle art way back in the day, which was basically this, except big A2 posters of fairly trippy stuff that you'd colour in. The, the trick was not going over the lines, but with this, the not going over the lines is taken care of. You tap a square or you know a shape and it's green or blue or orange, yeah. right? It is, it is actually really soothing. I quite enjoy it, but I'm that type of person. So It must be good. And the reason I think that recolour must be good, and this kind of blew me away, and it's not the ratings, because the ratings were very good for both Android and iOS, but the unlimited version of this free app that gives you as many images as you like to colour in is $95 a year, Kate. Yes. I mean, this is becoming more common. No, you haven't paid it, have you? I have not paid it, but um, there's enough free elements to keep me going. So what's locked behind that is uh, is particular colours or, you know, metallic sheens or um, their back catalogue of about 1,500 um, different bits and pieces. So... Uh, you know, you don't have to pay that whole amount either. That's to unlock everything. That's, but if that's, that's the full fruit. Yeah. The, and the, the full set of Stephen's painting sticks. <laughs> there's which, more than enough to keep you going the, if the, you don't The Faber-Castell, the, 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 the set of felt pens that wide that the rich kids yeah. had at school as opposed to the seven basic colours that we had. You can do a lot with seven basic colours. You can do an awful lot with seven basic colours. Um, this is a very addictive app, I'm sure, but one place you wouldn't want to be uh, doing it, of course, is while you're driving the car. Are you an iPhone person, Kate, or are you an Android person? <sighs> I'm That's not a tough question. <laughs> well, it kind of is because I hate myself for it. I use an iPhone, yeah. um, but that's because all my things are on the iProducts. Okay, so so you're an iPhone user. Yes. The the news, and this is the link to the, uh, the driving thing, is if you've downloaded the latest operating system for your iPhone called iOS 11, it comes with a feature that prevents you making or taking calls or doing anything with your phone pretty much while you're driving. Have you downloaded, uh, have you activated that on no, your phone? because I have the world's oldest phone and so ah. if I do so. But look, this isn't a new thing. Um, navigation apps such as Waze have this. So if you're in a moving mm. vehicle and you go to put in an address, it will actually stop you. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in two minds about whether this will actually prevent um, anything from happening. One, because a lot of cars are now coming with hands-free products built in. Yes. But two, if you're going to be one of those people, you're going to be one of those people. Because you've got to turn this on. Yeah. It's, it's not something that happens um, kind of, no, 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 you're, you're driving, you can't take this call. If you choose to take that call, you can, you can do it. You can turn this feature on or off. And I think if you've got somebody who's in the frame of mind where it's acceptable to make calls while driving and not using a hands-free kit, they're going to do it regardless. So, so uh, I don't know. So if you do want to use it, it's called Do Not Disturb While Driving. It uses your phone's accelerometer to know when you're moving. Uh, and also the rate at which it passes through wireless networks is, is interesting to yeah. work out that you're actually driving. Um, you can just turn it on, but you must have the latest version of the Apple operating system. I don't know. I I, I think rather than regulation and, and, and thou shalt not, we've got to find a way to safely let people do this stuff, you know, while they're at the lights or while mm. they're driving or whatever, because it, it just it, it's just endemic. It's just endemic. People yeah, are doing it. Is. it. And uh, also, you know, 
people think that well they can justify it however they want you know there's an important business call or, or uh, you know an emergency happening at home um, so people want to be able to drive and talk I'm all for that. Uh, but if you're the uh, police, I'm dead against it. Hey, uh, thank you so much, Kate Owen, for your first ever time on Sunday Social. Thanks Hope you liked me. it enough yes. to come back. Stephen Sinclair in the first half, and I'll be in touch with the ticket winners to Love Me Tinder. Next up, the weekend variety wireless, ably engineered by Sarah O'Dwyer. I'm Vaughan Davis, 99.